All right, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget, even though it's the offseason, we're still going to have you covered on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out at LibertyBallers.com. Joining me for this one, a special guest. I've talked to him a few times about the Sixers, Mr. Lee Steinberg. He's one of the best sports agents in the business. Lee, before we jump into the NBA stuff, how was the NFL offseason for you? Oh, it was great. Um, uh, they did a new television contract uh, for the league that had Fox and CBS go up by 80 percent. Um, we added a basketball practice. We added a baseball practice. So now we're competitive in all those different sports as well as football and um, and. Uh, the charitable foundations of the athletes I work with are going really well. Mahomes has 15. The Mahomes to Atongo by Loa has a charitable foundation. So everything is right on schedule. And you, you mentioned you do represent Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, at least in my opinion. I don't think it's I think it's pretty hard to argue that. But you also represented great such as Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Warren Moon, Edron James, John Lynch. You can go down the list. When you look at, at your personal career, and we'll jump into the Sixer stuff in a second, but when you look at kind of your personal journey and, and working with this high level of talent, what has it been like for you just personally being in the position that you're in, having to work your way up and going through what you're going through now? Well, I never had to work my way up, which was fortuitous because I started in 1975 with the very first player picked in the first round of the NFL draft at a time they really didn't have sports agency. A team could just hang up the phone and say, we don't deal with agents. So, um, and that was the biggest contract of, of all time. But the key to it all has been the athlete's role model. It's been asking them to retrace their roots to the high school, set up a scholarship fund or boys and girls club or church then going back to the university and endowing some form of connection with that alum base. And then at the pro level, setting up a charitable foundation that would have leading business figures, political figures, and community leaders on the board to execute a program. So that would be work done, former running back, uh, just putting the 200th single mother and her family into the first home they'll ever own by making the down payment and uh, moving the family in. So it's athletes changing lives. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot more of that over the last 10, 15 years with social media becoming more apparent. How do you think stuff like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook have changed the sports media landscape, not only from the journalism side, but also with players having a lot more access as well? Well, it's revolutionized uh, the whole concept of athletic branding, where they now are in control of establishing a brand. The currency for any kind of endorsement deal or other deal is how many followers does someone have on TikTok or Instagram or uh, Facebook or Twitter. And so um, it, it's created athletes as brands over and above their they're on the field play, and um, I don't think we're ever going back. I know. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm still one of those guys that got caught up in that middle generation where I didn't have a cell phone in high school, and they became you know, more and more prevalent by the time I was 19. So like TikTok, Instagram, I'm not very good with yet, but I am learning for you guys, okay? <laughs> I, am, I am trying to learn. Uh, Lee, <laughs> want to shift focus to the Sixers. A big you know, situation with them that they have this offseason is James Harden. 
one of the top 75 players of all time. Reports came out yesterday from ESPN's Brian Windhorst, basically saying the Sixers won't offer James Harden a max contract. He was saying this on, on the network along with Mike Greenberg during his morning show. Uh, basically said that the Sixers are in a position that they're going to be looking at offering him a four-year extension worth $222 million, but he does have the option to get in for one year at just over $47 million, which would be for next season. If you're James's agent and you're looking at this and you see this report come out and you hear Brian Windhorst, one of the best in the business when it comes to the NBA, say, hey, this is the way from what I'm hearing that the Sixers aren't leaning towards a max contract. How would you like what does an agent typically do when this news starts to leak out? Well, first of all, you'd have more direct uh, contact. So you'd have a contract with Maury and you'd be able to hear the word from the horse's mouth. So I wouldn't listen to third parties were I working with him. You, you, everything you need to know, you're going to get in your interaction with the front office of the franchise, and they'll tell you what their thoughts are. Have they made a decision to to pick up forty seven million dollars a year? Have they made a decision to let him go? Are they open to a middle position? Which I, you know, and I believe he's made some comments saying he might take less money. Um, so they have to do that evaluation. And then the team has to figure out, is James Harden going forward, the James Harden of game five and six in the playoffs, or is he the one we've known? Now his points scored have gone down from, I think, 30 to 23, but he's doing more in the way of assists. So he needs to make a determination of what his values are. Is it short-term economic gain, long-term economic security? Is it things like getting to an NBA championship? Is it a geographic location? And figure that out. If Philadelphia is important to him and he's happy there, then he may make a decision to take less money to, to stay there. So you start in this situation by drawing out your client and understanding what it is. If it's just the max amount of dollars, well, then you probably have to explore that with another team. If it's if it's a combination of different factors, if you believe that you're happy in Philadelphia, um, you know, you have Embiid statements about um what he thought, but then he comes back and says, I want him here. And they need a dynamic playmaker and they need a point scorer and they don't grow on trees. So um, this is a situation where the 76ers have to be really clear in terms of how they want to build that franchise and how Harden fits in. And they may not have um, they may have ambivalence uh, where they've got these doubts, but over here they clearly understand uh, the benefits. And then the question is, if for the franchise, if not Harden, then who? So they've got to make a comprehensive look at what their options are, as he does. And, and then with both sides being crystal clear on what's most important to them, they can have discussions and solve it. Yeah, looking at that now, Daryl Morey has been never been shy about the fact that, hey, I want to try and bring in stars. He believes in that, that you and in the NBA, if you look at historically, yeah, typically the teams with the best overall talent end up winning. You have the big three started with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. And we saw LeBron do it with D Wade and Chris Bosh and the Warriors, obviously, in their heyday. So you're seeing superstar players. And that seems to be Daryl Morey's M.O. Now, you mentioned this, too, during games 
Game four of the of the series against Miami, he drops 31 points. Looks like the James Harden of old, not only taking but hitting massive three-pointers in the fourth quarter. And then you mentioned what happens in game five and six. Well, game five, he finishes with 14 points. Game six has 11 total, only attempted two field goals in the second half with the teams back against the wall. And again, you're looking at now his advanced numbers. According to second spectrum, he was down shooting at the rim. Penetration wasn't scoring nearly as often as we saw in his heyday with the Rockets. Step back threes, et cetera, et cetera. Everything went down. If you're an agent, how often do the does the organization, does the general manager cite those type of numbers when you're doing a negotiating process? Well, they will cite those numbers, um, but... The numbers are the numbers, so you have to make an assessment as to whether there are adjustments in his game that can bring him back up to 30 points a game. If there's if he if he can be more aggressive or his time taken its toll. And this is what you're looking at. Every contract is a projection as to how this player will be for either the next year or the next four or five years. So they've got to make a talent assessment as to what he thinks, uh, what the organization thinks um, that Harden will be like for the next year uh, to come. Again, balance against, and that may affect how much they're willing to uh, pay because against the cap, it's it's the more room they have, the more aggressive they can be and maybe adding another star to it. So, these are the parameters, and, and it really comes down to, at the end of the day, if Harden's motivated to make a deal and 76ers are motivated to make a deal, they'll make a deal. Leo, I want to ask you the flip side of that. Like I mentioned some of those numbers that you look at that maybe paint Harden in a negative light. Also on the flip side, Philly was a much better team with him on the court. You look at the net ratings during the season, they were plus 8.6, negative 5.5 without him. So that gives you an inclination of how good he was in terms of his presence. You mentioned not really a 30 point a game guy anymore, but still top five in the league in assists. I believe he was top three at the end of the second round in the playoffs in terms of dimes during, during the postseason. So if you're an agent and you're trying to look at this and, and say a general manager or a you know, president of, of player personnel comes to you and says, well, look, you know, he did X, Y, and Z worse than he did previously. Do you come back at that point? Like, how would you handle, hey, well, there are a lot of numbers here that favor the fact that your team was better with him on the court. That really is the ultimate bottom line. What is the team like with him? What is the team like without him? So you're going to argue that Harden was a definite addition that the right way of judging Harden is the team's success with him and not whether or not he dropped off a few points. You're arguing his side, there are not a whole lot of players in the world that can score 23 points a game. So let's not act as if that's nothing. Um, and, and he improved his assists. And um, again, if not him, who? Now, it may affect um, their willingness to spend X amount of money rather wide, but still a very valuable player. All right, Lee, wanted to jump into a couple more things. Let's do that after a short break. Looking at this now and piggybacking again off Brian Windhorst's report, basically saying, as we talked about a little bit earlier, the Sixers do want to add another superstar. They're up against the cap. Tobias Harris, another guy who makes a lot of money, very good NBA player, but a bloated contract. You got Joel Embiid at about $33 million for, for next season. 
So it, taking Danny Greenoff, who I'm assuming the team will elect to waive just because that'll keep them under the threshold and, and not paying the tax, and that keeps up their, their mid-level exception. So they'll have some options there in the veteran free agent market. But you're looking at this, and, and like you mentioned too, Harden, you're talking to him, how does he like Philadelphia? How does he like his teammates? The situation there. But if a general manager came to you and said, hey, you know what, Mr. Steinberg, we want to do this in a way that if we could save maybe seven, eight, nine, ten million, you know, ballpark figure, if your client takes less, that's going to give us more room to add another championship piece. How would you broach that with your client? Or is that something that you kind of keep away from who you represent and stick between you and and, and the organization? No, no, that that's a factor that you need. The client's in charge. He needs to have all the information. And so, um, and that's ultimately his balance. I mean, Tom Brady never made the max in terms of uh, dollars, but he went to endless Super Bowls, which enhanced his life in so many different ways. That's the client's decision to make. And again, it just matters if that were their position, how much they want to cut him. And that's uh, at the end of the day, James Harden makes his own decisions and he'll he'll make a decision like that. But his agent, he will weigh it against what their other options are and whether or not there's a team that would pay him $47 million and uh, that he'd rather go to. So you're looking at every totality. The team's looking at what their options are. What if they lose... Uh, James Harden. What does our world look like then? You know, is he willing to adjust his contract? He said publicly that he would adjust his contract. So all this comes out in the negotiating mix, and both sides have to be completely open and honest. And um, <clears throat> James Harden's going to have reasons he made um, twenty-three points instead of thirty. And and he'll have his arguments. I mean, quite naturally, unless you're LeBron James, most people's talent level descends a little bit. That's just time. But the central question is, if a long-term contract, you have to have as a franchise a realistic projection as to how this player's talent, energy, contribution will stand up um, uh, over the totality of the contract we mentioned tobias harris lee and 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 looking at his very good playoffs in terms of both ends of the floor he was actually fantastic one of the sixers better players without joel Embiid and tyrese maxi you know looking at that overall in terms of the roster and, and james harden of course but as i mentioned he's on a bloated contract right due to make over 37 million next season more than 39 million in 2023-24 when you're an agent and you have a player like that who is on an inflated deal and you have your own client who's looking at getting a new contract do you reference that at all like hey tobias harris makes 37 million james harden's worth at least 40 you know in that case like how, how do do you even look at the other players on the roster when you're when you're coming it's up all, with a number absolutely it's all comparables you need to look at players that your client is comparable to in terms of first of all minutes on the floors uh, you know, points scored, uh, the field goal percentage, free throws, uh, rebounds, assists. You take all that statistical evidence and you try to match that up with someone else whose contract you like uh, uh, in the market. 
And you absolutely do comparisons all the time in negotiations. I'll take a packet filled with my concept. Many times in negotiation, the question is, whose reality will prevail? Whose concept of what is relevant will prevail? Um, and I try to create our own theory. And you may bring into a negotiation a 30-page packet that shows your player compared against uh, a variety of other players and, um, and, and why you think you deserve the money that you do. Just saying, I want this money is not enough if you're dealing with a sophisticated general manager. You've got to give him arguments, theoretically, to take to the owner. And so the more compelling your presentation can be, um, um, and I'm sure he's well represented. I'm, I don't mean to ever substitute for someone else's representation or complicate their situation, but the um, <clears throat> reality is all that will happen. Lee, when you, when you look at this now from your angle, and again, you're not stepping on anybody's toes, not asking you to do that at all, but I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. You look at James Harden, right? In his early 30s, former MVP, just named one of the top 75 greatest players of all time. As I mentioned, top of the leagues in terms of the assist numbers, still a very, very good player. Again, not the exact same guy that we saw four years ago with the Rockets. But if you're going to Daryl Morey, your client's in a similar situation as Harden, how would you present the case that you look at and say to get him a max contract? that he's a inextricable part of a winning formula, that he's irreplaceable, that um, the team will be much better with them, and that whatever you're presenting in terms of the cap, they still can add players and they still can win even with these economics, but you have to stare the salary cap in the face and come up with your own conclusions. I mean, that's how someone would argue that case. Ellie, you mentioned, I know predominantly you've, you've done a lot of football work, as I mentioned, some of the greatest names that you, you can ever think of, Hall of Famers, like I mentioned with Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Kevin Green, you can go down the line, John Lynch, Warren Moon. Now you 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 mentioned you're kind of foring into basketball too. When you look at the cap differences and how things are structured, obviously in in the NBA you can go over it, but you're going to have to pay a pretty penny in order to do that. The NFL a little bit more stingent when it comes to the cap number. When it comes to figuring things out with the collective bargaining agreement for both the NFL and the NBA, which one, from an agent's perspective, is is easier to navigate? The uh, NFL. I've had four lottery picks in basketball. At one point, had 17 players. And there are many more intricacies, exceptions, uh, categories in uh, basketball. You need to be much better studied in the uh, collective bargaining agreement. I mean, basically in football, it's pretty simple. You have restricted free agency, free agency, and, uh, and salary cap like you do in basketball at the, at the initial point. But there's many, many more rules in basketball. And um, it actually is not possible to represent as many basketball players as you could in football because basketball tends to be a sport where your client calls you almost every day. And in football, sometimes you might have an offensive lineman who's um, really uh, uh, content to call you a few times a year. 
Why do you think the difference like, is that just the just the way it's set up in terms of having twelve guys versus seventy on the roster? Like, why why do you and, think it's and and the fact that they identify basketball players much earlier? They they uh, have uh, AAU leagues. They have shoe contracts. They're spotted much earlier, and they're catered to much earlier, so that um, you know the typical endorsement package for the equivalent player in each sport would be bigger for basketball because of shoe contracts and the shoe companies building out the uh, profile of, uh, of a player. And I, I once had a conversation with Phil Knight and I said, you know, I got have all these football superstars, you pay them this and my basketball players, you pay this. He said, well, imagine if you were selling uh, 50,000 pairs of turf shoes and 100 million pairs of uh, sneakers. So basketball is a better endorsement sport from the standpoint, you can see the whole body. You can see someone's face. I mean, you can uh, see Joel Embiid's face. You can see his body. And then you buy the same sneakers that he wears. You know, you're probably not walking around on the boulevard here wearing a pair of uh, turf shoes. Yeah, no, that would definitely be uncomfortable. And you're probably going to fall at that point, too, Lee, let's be honest. But uh, we'll, we'll wrap up on this. I uh, just wanted to get your opinion looking at and what you might have heard. I don't know how much you've dealt with him individually, but Daryl Morey, he's he's highly respected. One of the best executives in the game, still chasing after that ring where he's kind of the head man. What, what have you heard about dealing with somebody like Daryl? And what, what's kind of the the consensus on him from an agent standpoint in terms of negotiating and and working out new deals? He's a great general manager who um, uh, is extremely knowledgeable, um, understands sport and the nuances, is very good financially, has a great grasp of the salary cap, and most importantly, is aggressive in making the moves necessary to help the 76ers win. Well, Lee, I know anybody who's going to be listening and watching this is hoping the same thing as you. So it's going to be a big off season for the Sixers. Uh, always informative talking to you. I know you're a busy man with Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. So I appreciate you taking the time out to join me for this. My pleasure. All right. That's Lee Steinberg. He's a mega agent. Also the inspiration for Jerry Maguire represents Patrick Mahomes. Again, you can check out his website at SteinbergSports.com. That'll do it for this episode of Sixers Daily. Before I wrap things up, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Also check us out on our YouTube channel at Liberty Ballers. And of course, check out LibertyBallers.com. We'll have you covered all the way throughout the Sixers offseason.